It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Nothing to see here. Just the same old San Diego Padres as they get shellacked by the Houston Astros this weekend. Recapping the series featuring some questionable defensive uh, plays by Luis Campizano. Manny Machado not being clutch as usual. A report that Blake Snell may command up to 200 plus million. Eggy Rosario being called up. And a whole lot more, including the return of Jerickson Profar. That's the most fun part. Let's get into it. You are locked on Padres. Your daily San Diego Padres podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Monday, September 11th. As always, I'm your host with sometimes, occasionally, but certainly not always the most, Javier Reyes. Follow me on Twitter at Javipeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, or at L-O underscore Padres for tweets during the game or some fairly innocuous takes on the Padres. That's a lie, of course. They're very incendiary oftentimes, but we still do them anyway. And then you can check out Lockdown Padres on YouTube where I am wearing my relaxed shirt. Uh, but don't be fooled. Uh, today won't be necessarily an episode where, where we should relax at least that not not for the mo- for the majority of it we won't be relaxing because we're going to be talking about this Astros series that was pretty rough. I mean, what can I say? Uh it's it's a cl- I, you know, I haven't been doing recaps as much as usual, but I want to talk about this one because you know, the Astros are actually a team that the Padres have played pretty decently well over the past few years. I mean, if if people remember in 2020, that's actually the team that they ended up breaking the grand slam record against. And I believe it was it was uh Jake Cronenworth uh that did the fourth one. I think it was Cronenworth. It was Cronenworth or Hosmer. I always forget which one it was. Um, like, they've played the Astros pretty decently well, which says something, um, considering that the Astros are the closest thing I think we currently have in baseball to a dynasty. Uh, Dodgers fans, get out get out of my mentions. You lose in the playoffs every year. Um, but with the, the Astros, like, they are a team that's been, you know, very consistent, very solid, um, and they have really good pitchers, and it's in Houston. And the Padres at first do okay, but let's talk about yesterday's nightmare game first because that was the most recent, and I want to get the bad out of the way first. The Padres lose this one 12-2, and I think it was a really good... There's so many interesting things about this game because I think it shows you what's wrong with the team in general. First of all, Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis Jr. out of the lineup, clearly, and quite frankly, finally, uh, a, a sign of the white flag being, you know, waved. Um, I, I've I've said many times before, I was officially 100% out on this Padres team after they lost that series against the D-backs. It was the one that was the Diamondbacks, then the Orioles, then Diamondbacks. Once they lost that series, I was like, it's over, the end, goodbye. Um, so I've been accepting of this for a very long time. But even still, um, the Padres, you know, made, dare I say, the biggest lineup change that they've had 
in a long time. And that says a lot for a team that consistently wasn't hitting in big moments that it took until now for them to finally change things up a little bit. That, to me, is a little bit of reflection on the front office of Bob Melvin. And if you want to complain about Melvin, that's something there. Uh, we could get into my whole issue with why Xander Bogarts was consistently still at the top of the order for all the, all the season, despite hitting, I believe, 100 with runners on first and second and, like, 180 with runners on first and third. Like, I don't know why he kept getting the same chances up there. Well, you look at Philadelphia, and they at least tried, and they moved Trey Turner down, and now look at him. I'm not saying that moving Xander Bogarts down to eighth in the lineup would have, you know, turned him into an MVP candidate again, but rather just like a sign of urgency, I think. And that's the number one thing that I think Melvin deserves blame for is just a lack of urgency uh, with lineup decisions, with bullpen decisions all year, where it's like, how has Josh Hader, who you could have gotten probably a top 100 prospect for, why, why has he only thrown like maybe f- six innings? Since the deadline, like that's weird. So you decided to not get a, a a a big prospect at the deadline for a guy who's going to be a free agent, by the way, for a guy that you likely can't re-sign because of the fact that he's going to command, in my opinion, probably more than what Edwin Diaz got. That's just you know he's going to reset the market, I think. For you to not use him at all, even if you're down by a couple runs, I I would just like to see him thrown out there instead of say people who are on the quality of your Tim Hills and Rich Hills, right? Like your qualities of whoever it is, uh, Luis Garcia, not make the the damage even more to stop the bleeding at least. Um, but anyway, I'm getting a little bit off track uh, in this game. I mean, Hassan Kim still the leadoff hitter. Then he had jerks and profile in the game. Three for four game for my guy, uh, by the way, with a walk. Here's what I will say. The Profar Mania on Twitter, at least Padres Twitter, has been really fun, and I've appreciated it. I love that I'm not the only one that just loved this guy and thought that the vibes were immaculate. Um, look, here's how I'll put it. Jerkson Profar probably helps this team a lot more than, say, Matt Carpenter, right? Like, a guy like that, Nelson Cruz, uh, Runet Odor, who they then, you know, Runet Odor was, like, clutch for a little bit, and then they, they got rid of him. It's probably better if the Pirates have him. I'm not saying it's the Pirates' fault for not having him specifically because, you know, he opted out of his deal. That's something worth bringing up. And I think that by all accounts, you know, some of his defensive stuff, and I talked about this on the show last year, you know, he had a bunch of outfield assists. Maybe that inflated his defensive run saved. He doesn't have the best range in the outfield. His arm is okay, but not always consistent. He's just not that amazing of a player. He sees a decent amount of pitches. He can get a good walk rate. He can give you maybe 15 bombs in a year if things go right. Um, he's okay. Um, and he and he's had really good moments, especially last year for the Padres, um, especially at the beginning of the year. He was so, so huge for that team that, you know, went through a collapse and you needed someone to kind of step up a little bit. And last year, just come right out of the gate, swing him, uh, really. It, 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 similar to Xander Bogarts uh, in a lot of ways. But unfortunately, he's not that incredible of a player, but it's still really nice to have him back, seeing him dancing with Tatis and all that stuff. Really, really cool. So if they were to bring him back next year, I'd be totally for it. A one-year, two-million... Four million, like type of deal. Like I would love that uh, personally, just to give you some guy off the bench. Maybe he doesn't play all days. Maybe you figure out a platoon split situation with him. Um, but just have a solid guy. And yeah, maybe we don't know what it's like having him in the clubhouse. Maybe that stuff really does help. We don't know. It's hard to to gauge that in baseball chemistry and clubhouse stuff and 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 character and personalities. But hey. It's at least worth a try, and I think a one-year deal for this guy would not be that bad. Anyway, he goes three for four, and that's basically the extent of uh, the Padres' highlights. You do get a home run 
from my guy, Aggie Rosario, which was really great. And you get one from Matt Carpenter, who I was just mentioning before. And don't get me wrong, I'd still rather have like a profile over a Carpenter. Carpenter's still only hitting 176 on the year. And my mom joked, actually, while we were watching a game, like like, like a few weeks back, where she's like, maybe Carpenter is good if you give him like three weeks off and bring him in. Look what happened. You know what I mean? You give Matt Carpenter like three weeks off. He gets not just the home run, but he also draws two walks in this game. So good for him. Um, Eggie Rosario getting the home run as well, which was rad. Um, but really, this game is mostly about tragedy. And I spent a lot of time talking about the positives. But this game, the Padres give up 12 earned runs. Michael Waldron, not too terrible, but one of those guys who is just floating and treading water type of starters. You're a Jackson Wolf, Pedro Avila type start, which is, you know, valuable, but only one strikeout. He gives up four earned runs in five innings. It's Tim Hill and Rich Hill that come in uh, and completely explode. Um, Tim Hill in this game doesn't get a single out, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, six runs, five earned. Uh, one of them, of course, being unearned because we had some defensive miscues by one Sir Luis Campizano. In fact, he had two in this game. One, a throw from Eggy Rosario from third base that he just straight drops in his glove. And then two, a Michael Waldron knuckleball that he's unable to hold on to, allowing the run to score from third. Um, look, firstly, Rich Hill and Tim Hill. Rich Hill, it is incredible that the guy was given so many opportunities to start for this team that is in a playoff hunt. i not necessarily blaming the acquisition of him. Clearly, I think that trade was about G-Man Choi. And they said, all right, Musgrove's hurt. You know, Darvish has been rough. Let's just bring, you know, Waka hasn't had to come back yet, I don't believe, at the time. So I said, let's get it. We, let's just take him as a bonus, a guy that could throw innings. Either way, whether it be it was a mistake to get him too, or it was... It's an indictment of the the lack of depth and this front office's ability to just not be able to accumulate depth. Um, that's that's bad. That Rich Hill that they had to rely on him. That's bad. I, no matter which way you slice it, really bad. But anyway, it's not even him in this game. It's Tim Hill. And again, every time I see Tim Hill get lit up, I still will never forget. I'm sorry, and I don't mean to be mean. Many Padres fans messaging me personally. Many Padres fans on Twitter. Um, so Padres media as well, you know, asking him after the game when against the the Giants a couple months ago, when Bob Melvin chose not to keep Tim Hill in the game, I think it was his, his second or third inning that he'd pitched. And yes, he was refreshed and maybe could have got out for another. And he'd been dealing for once and everyone lost their mind. Like, why didn't you keep Tim Hill in? Why didn't you do this? And I'm like, I agree. I think it's worth criticizing. But people were talking about Tim Hill that night. Like he was the most shut down. Like this was Buck Showalter not putting in Zach Britton. In the playoffs in 2017, right? Like, I was just like, look, look, I, I, I get your feeling. Tip Hill was on a roll. I might have kept him in instead of throwing in Luis Garcia. But I just thought it was incredible that all of a sudden everyone's like, yeah, Tim Hill is just automatic guy. You know, he's now racking a 5.48 ERA on the season. Shouts to him for the nomination um, for the Roberto Clemente Award, of course. The legendary Puerto Rican Roberto Clemente. Shout out to Tim Hill. Awesome stuff. But really been an ineffective pitcher. Uh, for most of this year. Um, he has his moments, don't get me wrong, and his, this does inflate his ERA by a whole run. Um, but even still, uh, Tim Hill has just been really, really rough, and there was a time period where he looked good. He was getting more strikeouts, especially um, the year before last year where he was a lot more effective. But nowadays, it's just you're just hoping for him to not get blown up every time. So again, congratulations on the award, but he hasn't been good. Um, but that's, that's the pitching and whatnot, and now I want to get into a little bit more about Luis Campizano and the rest of the weekend. But before we do that, ladies and gentlemen, I want to take a second to talk to you about something magical, something sensational 
and that's Game Time. Talked about at the top of the show, guys. Look, Game Time is, is fantastic. If you want to get those last-minute tickets, they help you out. Flash deals and last-minute tickets. Easy to find and buy tickets for every kind of event in the area. And it's not just sports. Yeah, it's called Game Time, but it's it's everything. Theater. The, the comedy, haha, <laughs> the comedy shows and whatnot, concerts, uh, and then of course, you know, football, baseball, basketball, all sorts of stuff. They got you covered, but I like that. I like that they cover all the sort of events that you can go to. So this is not just for the sports homies out there, even if you are likely listening to this podcast because you're a sports fellow or fella or gal or dude, whatever. <laughs> Whatever. I gotta get through this ad read. Um, but seriously, they help you out with everything. It's really, really great. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. And the Game Time guarantee means you'll always get the best prices. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, by the way, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. That's right. So don't worry about that. If some seat opens and you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa let's get that one. It's better. They got you covered over there. Um, you could also get images of your seat before you buy for all my visual learners out there. Um, really, really cool. It takes just a couple seconds to buy tickets. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off your first purchase. That's right. Just for listening to this pod, I'm blessing you with that discount. Terms apply. But again, create an account and redeem code LOCKEDONMLB for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets. Lowest prices. Guaranteed. GameTime. And we're back, everybody here on the Lockdown Padres podcast. Remember to go check us out where? On SiriusXM, where you can also follow the play-by-play broadcast of your hometown Padres. Really cool stuff there, ladies and gentlemen. Let's continue the recap. I want to quickly talk about Luis Campizano. Um, not to say I told you so, because I, I, I don't know if I did. But one of my things for a while now has been very much appreciating the hitting. Luis Campisano, who also, by the way, I believe has a decent series this weekend. Um, yeah, he has one game where he goes, yeah, he goes two for two for three with a walk in Saturday's game, and then also uh, one for five in the game before. So like he he was did he did some work. Like he he was able to hit. He's still hitting above three hundred. His slash slide three oh one three forty one four sixty three in thirty nine games is astounding, uh, especially by catcher standards. But it's it's astounding no matter the standard. So good stuff for him. But he makes some errors here. And one of the things I've been talking about for a while, and this has been, you know, on, on the one hand, Campuzano has always shown, and this is why I became such a fan of his and why I started the Hive, or at least was a big vocal leader of the Campuzano Hive, where our numbers grow every day. But one of the reasons was because I, he's always shown that he can hit. Always. And I didn't understand why the Padres never gave him a chance, because Austin Nola wasn't, and for one thing, we're learning that he had like an eyesight injury. Right, and then number two, he just wasn't very good in any facet of the game. So I never understood why Campizano wasn't getting chances for being such a highly regarded prospect. And he's always been able to hit at every level. However, the other side of that coin is he's always he's also shown that he still has a lot to learn when it comes to being a defensive catcher. I'm not going to super read into this and start complaining. This is a late August game against a team like the Astros that's kicking your butts. The manager. Melvin, like, there's no Tatis and Machado in this game. Like, they're basically out of the pl- the playoffs. They officially lost the NL West yesterday. Like, they can't win the division. Shocker. I don't know why. It, I don't know if that's totally true. I don't know how they've only yesterday 
that they got eliminated from winning the division. That feels weird. But, uh, you know, 0.1% chance as of now, uh, according to Fangraph playoff odds, to even make the playoffs. Like, I'm not going to read into this as some, like, wow, see, he cost us the game. And we need to look at a different catcher because things can change. And I think that that's one of the things I'm going to be watching with a keen eye this offseason is all the reports. I'm going to be one of those guys. I'm going to be one of those guys who's, like, watching with with keen... (laughs) You know, uh, eyesight, really paying attention to all the reports we get from spring training and the offseason about KB's on a workout his defense. It is his greatest defect. He's still a player worth playing, and he's still a really nice asset to this team uh, anyway, as his current slash line indicates. But it's going to be something he has to work on. Uh, not just throwing out runners because runners are very, very much uh, down to run when Campizano is behind the plate. A little bit less so when Gary was behind the plate. But even still, uh, you know, the Padres can't have two bad defensive catchers, um, no matter how well they hit. I I think that that would be really rough. And this is assuming they bring back Gary for next year, by the way. Um, So Capizano's got to work on it. Um, I think that these were a little fluky. I do. But so, for example, I think the the him failing to catch the ball at third uh, from Eggie Rosario to home plate, that one's a little bit fluky. But I do think that the framing is something that he's not very good at. And him dropping that um, knuckleball is a little bit more of something that's like, yeah, this might happen sometimes. And that's what's really rough about this, right? It's a knuckleball. Maybe he's just not used to catching those. It's not exactly a pitch that's you know known for being all across the league these days. But even still, uh, he needs to improve there. Um, and I'm hoping that Padres player development can for once help out in that regard. Um, maybe this is just who he is, and he's never going to be great as a great defensive catcher. That's fine, but he just needs to be average. He needs to do what Gary was doing, which is he's not going to be the best framer in the world. He's not going to be... Um, you know, your your JTO Real Mutos, he's not gonna be your heck, your your what's that guy's name on the Yankees? I always forget the catcher's name. Higashioka? Is that it? They had another guy who was really good for them. Whatever. Anyway, um, as I was saying, uh, so even if he doesn't grade out that way, just be average and not be a liability on that front. And Capizano, you have a borderline all-star, in my opinion, at the position. That there's an if there. Nobody don't nobody cut that out and just take that one part and throw it in my face. I'm saying that if he just becomes a, a solid defensive catcher with that bat, yeah, he's absolutely could be an all-star, especially at this position. So that's something he needs to work on. But again, really rough overall series from the weekend. Uh Saturday's game, um, which I'm going to do now because I want to end on a high note with the series recap. They lose seven five behind Seth Lugo, who gets hit up yet again. Um, four and a third innings, six earned runs on seven hits. Uh, unfortunate. I, and I shouldn't say yet again. My apologies. My apologies. Um, he'd been very good lately. Uh, over these past starts, ever since, let's see, August 7th, it gets getting when he got absolutely destroyed by the Dodgers. People won't remember. The Padres were up by five, and then he blew the lead. It was eight runs in an inning. Ever since then, he hadn't given up more than two earned runs in a start, and that is one, two, three, four, five, six starts. So, like, I'm not freaking out about him. He's still so good for his role. And I think, yes, it would be interesting to explore uh, bringing him back this next season, although for the right price, and I wouldn't be freaking out about it, right? I still think that there are some other interesting options on the starting pitching market that aren't going to cost too much or will cost around what Lugo may cost. So if the prices really go up, I'm down for taking a shot on some, you know, lower tier pitcher because that's what Lugo's role is. And I wouldn't mind gambling on trying to fill that void with uh, something that costs a little bit less, given the Padres' current payroll. So that's just me. And it is the Astros. But overall, just not a great start for for um, Lugo. But the Astros tend to do that. So I'm not freaking out about it. 
Uh, that wasn't my biggest issue in this game. The Padres do end up scoring, you know, uh, five runs in this game. Uh, Nick Martinez gives up a run. He is the most excited to not deliver that I've ever seen. He's always, you know, that the roots, the his like uh, the shuffle that he does, I guess, is the way to call it, sort of, um, on the mound. Then he gives up a run in this one, unfortunately. Uh, happens, I guess. He does get out of the inning, which is nice, but unfortunately uh, gives up that one extra run. But for me, this game is about a couple moments. Um, two moments in particular. Number one, uh, bases loaded with one out, Hassan Kim and Tatis up. The amount of times. Yeah. Oh, I'm snapping everybody. The amount of times I have watched, and I'm not breaking news. I'm sorry I can't do that for you today. It's a daily podcast. Sometimes I don't have brand new things to talk about. Sue me. Um, the amount of times the Padres have had a chance this year to give us one I repeat, one nice comeback, and it is the top, not the bottom of the order, not when it's like, you know, Trent Grisham and Matt Carpenter, and then, and I'm not trying to be mean to those guys, but it's the bottom of the order, not the guys that you expect to come through. The amount of times, and and Hassan Kim has been pretty good in most high leverage situations this year, but in general, he has three strikeouts in this game, that wasn't great, Um, and then Tatis goes 0 for 5 with a strikeout. Juan Soto goes one for four with a walk and two strikeouts. Manny Machado 0 for five with a strikeout. That's right. The bottom of the lineup actually came through in this game. It's Profar going three for four with uh, two RBIs and a double, right? And a home run, by the way. I forgot to mention Jerickson Profar hitting a home run. A little bit lucky. It barely snuck fair uh, on the right field line, but don't care. He does it. Um, Matthew Batten goes one for three in this game. Trent Grisham even gets a nice uh, big RBI for the team. You know, he gets a walk in this game as well. Um, Just astounding that the top of the lineup so many times. And Juan Soto, by the way, has been mostly good with runners in scoring position. But there have been situations where he's just like, I'm waiting for someone to like blow this game up. And he doesn't. Every now and then that does happen with him. So even he has fallen victim to the Padres curse of 2023 a little bit. But the amount of times they've been in this situation where it's like, Y'all, we know we're out of the playoffs. And I tweeted about this. Like, this that this ending of this game and this game and not scoring with runners in scoring position to potentially put it away and have a nice comeback to feel good about, it's not as much about making the playoffs at this point. It's just about, can we all have one night of fun? That's what it's about. And the Padres are the most, like, in, are just incessant on never giving that to us. They've given us twice all year any comeback that I can remember. Hassan Kim's walk-off, like, what, two weeks into the season? I forgot when it was. And then the comeback against the Dodgers from about a month ago. Yeah, that's great. I love that we made a comeback against the Dodgers. Two in a whole season. You all know about the stats with runners in scoring position. You all know, you know, they're last in the league officially. My mistake, I did not realize that they officially were worse than the Royals again. They're officially worse there. It's just so frustrating. You literally have the top of the lineup. Bases loaded. And they have never, never come through. It's astounding. Astounding, ladies and gentlemen, how little they come through. Um, Tatis, uh, and and also the other thing is just like the, the optics of it. Hassan Kim swings at a pitch that would have been ball four and would have brought in a run. Tatis swings in a ball that in my opinion, was a good pitch. But even still, he swings at something that's just, you know, comes right up and in. It probably would have been a ball, too. That's really frustrating. And then, if that wasn't enough to close out the game, do not worry. We also get a lack of clutch from our boys, Manny Machado, and who else? Xander Bogarts. Um, Ryan Presley comes in. Hassan Kim draws a walk. Tatis strikes out. 
Soto gets a single, then strikeout from Manny, strikeout from Xander Bogarts, and Machado swings in a ball that literally hits the dirt. Like, before it even gets to the plate. It, like, bounces, practically, uh, before hitting the glove. And then Xander Bogarts swings at a terrible pitch, too. Just, Ryan Presley's good. Ryan Presley's a very good closer. I, I Actually, arguably the most underrated closer in the sport right now. Very good pitcher. You have Xander Bogarts and Manny Machado and Juan Soto. The fact that that hasn't instilled fear in literally any team all year is pathetic. It's just pathetic. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen this collection of players that, in theory, were supposed to make up for the lack of depth of the lineup so consistently come up short in every single, and I'm not kidding, every single opportunity. Manny Machado, love your home runs when we're already up by six. Really appreciate it, big guy. Way to get that contract. Really appreciate it. But the rest of everybody else, it's just like nonstop. And Xander Bogarts has actually been hitting well in September so far. Seen like 400, 500. Which again, great job, guys. We're already out of playoff contention. We really appreciate it. Awesome stuff. There needs to be a stat of like, like meaningless home runs. We need to have those. You know what I mean? Like meaningless home runs. Like you're already up by six and then Machado hits a solo shot. Like, cool, dude. What about all the other times we needed you? What happened? I do not understand what's going on with this team. It drives me insane just talking about them. But uh, yeah, so this game, again, another microcosm for the Padres. I would have liked it just to be happy for a night. I think that's what a lot of Padres fans are looking for. They're just looking for one last, like, hey, we made a comeback. That was really fun. That's all they're looking for. That's all they're looking for. And they refuse to provide time and time again. Before we conclude this podcast, guys, I want to take a second to talk to you about a fantastic app that I was using this weekend, actually. And that's Sleeper. That's right. When it comes to daily fantasy or fantasy football, and I've been using for my fantasy football league this year, uh, really cool stuff. Shouts to um, my team. Uh, I somehow managed to, I think, win. I think. I'm probably going to win unless... I think it's like Brees Hall, Dalvin Cook, and Stefan Diggs combined for like 70 points tonight. I'm probably going to win despite having Joe Burrow in my lineup this weekend. But nonetheless, that is not Sleeper's fault that this is a pretty crappy first week of football, in my opinion, just for enjoyment factor. Um, you know, not the best. But even still, they don't just cover you with fantasy football. And I love their leagues. I love the little, like, options they have. So many cool stats for you to make things clean. Let me tell you, they love Daily Fantasy over at Sleeper. They've got you, man. They've absolutely got you. Here's the thing. The LNB playoffs are around the corner, which means the clock is ticking on your chance to 100 times. Not double, not triple, not quintuple, not quadruple, nothing like that. 100 times your cash on daily fantasy baseball. Baseball has never been more exciting than it is now with studs like Acuna and Betts and Tatis and Soto and uh, apparently, apparently, uh, Cody Bellinger again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh and all these guys pick more or less on stats for these stars like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and more for up to a 100 times payout on Sleeper. My friends love the app. We love it for fantasy football, and it's great for daily fantasy. And I love that you can adjust your little multipliers. You can pick multipliers for everything. So it's kind of like, you know, do you want to bet the over on hits? Here's what they'll show you what the odds are on all those things for hits for a certain player, for strikeouts for a certain player or a pitcher. Whatever it is, they've got you covered on, like, every option. That's kind of what I like about them. It's not them... You're, it's just all you with the Daily Fantasy stuff over at Sleeper. Who will I be picking tonight? No idea. Let me tell you, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Um, since I always do a Padres pick, because I don't know if you guys know, but this is a Padres podcast, I want to pick something with the Padres. So I'm going to pick the over on runs. Everything for the Dodgers. Hits for Mookie Betts? Oh, yeah. He's going to get a bunch of hits. Freddie Freeman? He's going to have a home run. 
Like, it's just no doubt. So bet on all things Dodgers if you're a masochist like me. Place those um, takes and stakes in this Daily Fantasy app. Go check it out, guys. Again, use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Flash deals. I'm glitching. My apologies. I pulled a Mitch McConnell there. Uh, You guys can go check that out on the app. It is really good stuff. Again, locked on, $100 off on your first deposit, or $100 match on your first deposit over at Sleeper. And we're back, everybody here on the Locked On Potters podcast. We're vibing and thriving, uh, coming crashing into the end of this thing since... I haven't talked about the last game. It was the one win that the Padres did get. Let's talk about that really quickly. It was on Friday. Padres offense shows up. And again, their ability to show up one day and it completely vanish the next is astounding. But they drop 11 on the uh, Astros here, which was really rad. Uh, basically, from the top second onward, it was just a fun like blowout from the Padres. You get Campizano RBI. Grisham gets in on the fun. Hassan Kim gets in on the fun. Xander Bogarts gets a solo shot. Juan Soto gets a double. Manny Machado, for once in his life, gets a double. And Trent Grisham hits a home run for three. <laughs> Just, like, out of nowhere for three-run home run in the top of the eighth, because why not? Um, cool game for the Padres overall. And most importantly, though, um, Blake Snell, six innings, gives up two earned runs on five hits, three walks and eight strikeouts. Unfortunately, though, no longer the ERA leader in baseball. Justin Steele had an electric start, unfortunately. Um, And absent some bad starts from Steele um, and some incredible ones from Snell to close out the season, Steele probably going to win the Cy Young. Um, I know you could, and I've brought up Spencer Strider before because of his strikeout rate. Even still, you know, I I still think that it's between Justin Steele and Blake Snell right now, uh, overall. I think. I think Strider should at least be part of the conversation personally, just as an objective observer uh, because of the strikeouts, because of his field dependent pitching, and the fact that he doesn't walk nearly as many batters. I do think that means something, but overall even still just, um, you know, it's unfortunate. I'd like Blake Snell with a Cy Young, and it'd be kind of, it would be kind of nuts because Blake Snell winning another Cy Young would be almost like a little surprising in a lot of ways, could be like, wow, this guy has, like, two Cy Young seasons, and that's, like, kind of incredible. Like, there's a lot of great pitchers in the league that don't have a single Cy Young um, that I think are better, like a Garrett Cole, right? Like, it's just it's just amazing to note, and also shows you that sometimes Cy Youngs can be a little bit like, you could have the best season ever, and then someone just happened to be a god that year, and you won't get it. You know what I'm saying? So that's just what happens sometimes. Um but nonetheless, still cool for Blake Snell. Um, this guy has been on fire for a while, and there's not much more for me to add. Other than this, there was a report that Blake Snell could command, via Bob Nightingale of the USA Today publication, uh, there was a report that Blake Snell could command upwards of $200 million plus this offseason. Now, there's a bunch of different reasons for this. Go look at my episode when I talked about whether or not they should re-sign him and Gary Sanchez and Seth Lugo and all those guys. I did that on Friday, I believe. Um, Go check that out for sure. Um, I think this reinforces my belief that I do not want to pay Blake Snell. If it's going to be costing $200 million, I already am against the idea of re-signing Blake Snell just because I just think that we have too much money allocated. And I would rather hope for next year that you've got Musgrove and hopefully a revitalized Darvish. Maybe you bring back Michael Waka on that player option, or I'm sorry, club option. And then maybe you bring back Seth Lugo, depending on if he opts out. I think he probably will opt out. Um... 
maybe you bring him back. Or, and I, I said this before, and I know that this sounds crazy, but maybe you take a gamble on Luis Severino. Hope Ruben Niebla can, you know, bring him back to at least being not as bad as this season with the Yankees. Do that. I think that there's some decent starting pitches out there that I wouldn't mind. Marcus Stroman might be opting out. I just think, like, if you're going to go big, you, you just, I don't think they should. Like, haven't we seen that that's been what's led to all these issues with roster depth and, and just not having any 91 seasons. We've had like one since 2000. Like it's just, let's try not doing that. Um, in my opinion, uh, and let's try to go bargain bin hunting. And yeah, if everyone is upset by that, well, this is what happens when you sign and do all these moves. This is why I had cautioned against trading for Juan Soto last year. This is why I had cautioned against signing any big free agent this off season, because then it limits you going forward and it makes you less flexible. You can't just continually give out big contracts. So for me, I think Blake, Blake Snow is a giant red flag um, in terms of that. Not to mention what I talked about last episode about his his style of pitching and why I think it, it concerns me a tad. Um, I'm not blaming any team that goes after him, especially in a starting pitching market that is maybe not as high quality as people thought with guys like Stroman struggling a little bit and especially guys like Aaron Nola, who probably had the highest chance of getting a big payday pre-season, at least in terms of expectations. So again, that's just me, but go check that out that episode um man man oh man (laughs) i mean i don't even know where to start look it's just been it's been sad it's been sad all year um you got campy's on mistakes it's (sighs) i can't get over the machado swing in the ninth inning i can't get over that it's just like bro what are you doing I mean, really. And someone made this joke, and I retweeted. Devin Sports Gospel on, on Twitter was like, wow, Joe Burrow absolutely sticking after getting paid. <laughs> Buddy should be batting fifth for the Padres. It's so true. It's so true. Um, Padres have a lot of um, reflecting to do, a lot of decisions to make. Um, one thing is going to be about Juan Soto, and that's being written at The Athletic over by Dennis Lynn. Should they be trading him? That is a question I have to honestly save for an entire episode because I have to come up with some mock trades. Um, cause I haven't really thought about the specifics of what the Padres could get back. The only question about trading Juan Soto has been rather not for, but whether they should in the first place. And in my opinion, it's a little bit more complicated because in fairness, Soto is the one guy that you haven't paid like an absolute, you know, crap ton of money for. Um, I don't know if on your guys that my face glitched out for the YouTube, but we keep, we keep moving. Um, you know, so that's, that's my big issue is are you going for it for now? All the moves suggest that you're a team that's built to win now, and in that case, then you should keep, keep Swan Soto. But also the state of your roster and the fact that you have the same record as the Nationals ever since that trade suggests that you should be trading him again. It's it's genuinely pathetic. Um, and I know I've been ranting a lot on today's episode, but I cannot... Pathetic really is the great way to describe this Padres team. Um, I've described this season as a little bit of a fluke, but the overall tenure is not a fluke. And the overall stretch of inadequacy and mediocrity dating back from A.J. Preller being hired, that is not a fluke. That is A.J. Preller. This individual season, yes, I do. I, I think it's astounding that the Kansas City Royals can be hitting better than you with runners on. Um, I think it's astounding that the Cleveland Guardians can be hitting better than you with runners on when they have the worst offense in baseball by every metric. Um, they have like ho- a lesser Jose Ramirez this year and then a little bit of Stephen Kwan and that's it. You know what I mean? While we have Machado, Bogarts, Tatis, Hassan Kim, and um, probably some other player I can't, I'm blanking on right now. So it's just, oh my God. Really rough. Really rough. Um, In terms of the rest of this week, though, 
Maybe they can beat the Dodgers. Maybe they can't. Um, I don't really care about whether or not they beat the Dodgers at this point. Yeah, it would be nice. But they're in L.A. and this team rolls over and dies at every given opportunity. So I'm expecting that for this series. But nonetheless, I've got a matchup tonight between Pedro Vila and Gavin Stone of the Dodgers. Tuesday, Michael Walker versus Lance Lynn should be fun. Because Lance Lynn almost undoubtedly will strike out the entire Padres lineup like 15 times. I just I know these things, guys. And then Blake Snell versus Ryan Pepio on Wednesday is probably the coolest um, pitching matchup. Because Pepio for the Dodgers just came up and has a 0.86 ERA. Must be nice. Um, so I'm, I'm keen to see that start. But other, overall, in terms of the future of this uh, show, I'm going to be doing another, uh, you know, my usual crossover with Miller Thomas. Um, I've tried to get the Dodgers guys on the show, but I just haven't been able to, and that stinks. Uh, maybe we'll do a series recap of sorts, because we haven't talked with those guys in so long. Um, so we're going to be doing that. We're going to be talking about Juan Soto, whether or not they should be trading for uh, some prospects in his name. I'm going to be doing what else we got on the dock this week? Talking about how the Padres could still be in a decent position going forward. Um, Mike Trout, rumors are that he's on the trade market. Might as well, just for fun's sake, bring him up. Maybe he'll be part of the Juan Soto episode. Um, I'm not totally sure. Um, but that's basically it for this week. Um, you know, everybody, uh, I want to also conclude, you know, so today is September 11th. Um, and just want to give a shout to anyone, especially in the States, um, that is near me or whatever that, you know, maybe lost somebody and whatnot uh, on a really tragic day. So I just want to throw that out there uh, for everybody. If you're going through something today, you know, I uh, my heart is with you. Seriously. Um, but with that all being said, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast. The only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the pod wherever you get your podcasts from. Follow me on Twitter at Javapeno, J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O, and then at L-O underscore Padres. And until next time, stay safe, and of course, stay faithful, my fire faithful homies. Take care. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. 